Welcome to Belief Beat, where we talk about things that matter with people who matter. I have the pleasure on this particular episode, me being John Horner-Eibler, one of the pastors at Unity Lutheran Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin, where this originates from. Uh, I have the pleasure of chatting with uh, Alex Bukovic. And uh, uh, that name maybe is familiar to some of you. Uh, Alex grew up in the Cross of Life part of Unity Lutheran Church. And so he and his family were active members here for years and years. And uh, his dad, Jason, is still a part of the congregation. And Alex has grown up to be a meteorologist. And he works with the Innovative Weather Center at uh, the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. And so I'm pretty sure that some of you have heard him do a weather forecast on WUWM uh, periodically in the last couple of years. and. I'll, just true confessions here. I love weather. I've always loved watching it and learning a little bit about it. So, uh, Alex, you may not know it, but I'm so looking forward to this particular conversation. And I'm pretty sure our listeners will be uh, fascinated by it. Well, so welcome to Belief Beat, Alex. Hi there. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, let's dive into stuff. I, I'm always fascinated by uh, how people get into the fields that you're in. So let's start there. Uh, you're in meteorology. Uh, is that something you've always been interested in or did that emerge when you got to college or something like that? Yeah, it's a good question. Frankly, uh, that's a question that comes up a lot in the field, um, as with most, but everyone kind of has their story of what got you into weather? You know, why are you a weather nerd? Yeah. Um, so that's a common question for a lot of meteorologists. And uh, for me, it was before college, uh, but wasn't from youth. Uh, it's actually can, kind of been a funny story. Um, in our household when I was a kid, uh, there was a point in time where we had to ban the word tornado. Um, and uh, as as a young kid, I was terrified of just the, the, the concept of tornadoes. I guess, frankly, I didn't really understand them and they scared me. So when I heard that there were tornadoes in the area, it always freaked me out. Um, and it took me a little while to get past that. But then once I got into high school, um, they kind of flipped. Uh, I think it was a combination of, uh, of my dad, who is a really big weather guy as well. He's been a weather guy for forever yeah. and always looking up at the clouds, talking to me about, you know, how cold the air is aloft and how unstable the atmosphere is. And that, I think, finally drilled in for long enough that uh, I was like, hmm, that is pretty cool. And uh, then when I was getting through high, uh, high school, had a couple of friends that were into watching storms. Uh, we might, might have gotten a little risky with our driver's license at 16 and went storm chasing. And that kind of hooked me from there. Um, so I set off to college with the plan for meteorology um, at UW-Milwaukee. Uh, UW and that's kind of where I stuck throughout uh, for my, my whole education. Um, so now obviously the focus went from storm chasing more into uh, forecasting and, uh, and training and uh, helping out that next generation of meteorologists. Uh, but you know, the, the love of storms is definitely still there. Yeah. So severe weather and my dad both kind of meshed and that got me here. Wow, awesome story. Well, I, I can relate to that. I was terrified of thunderstorms growing up and mm -hmm. I think my older siblings finally convinced me, well, if you saw the lightning, it didn't kill you. <laughs> and then at that point, I tried to transition to being fascinated with them as well. Yeah. It's really cool that you're, I, I mean, so you're like 25, right? Yep, 25. Okay, so it's really cool that you're, even at what I would consider a pretty young age, you're interested in kind of uh, grooming and helping develop uh, future people in the field. Uh, maybe tell us about your current job, and because uh, it's kind of an interesting mix of 
private, public, business, mm -hmm. not-for-profit. Kind of take us through that. Yeah, so we're actually, we're in the process right now of training the next group of interns at Innovative Weather. And I've kind of put it in this, these terms for them, and I think it's a good way to explain it. Um, first off, Innovative Weather is kind of a, a not-for-profit within the nonprofit of UWM. Um, but additionally, yeah, as far as what is coined the term as the weather enterprise, um, that's what we just kind of use to talk about, you know, public sector at the National Weather Service, private sector forecasting companies, broadcasting sector, um, research kind of all comes together. And we like to stick our foot in just about as many of them as we can. Mm. Um, we kind of balance the line of we are public being part of university, um, but we work with private clients. So we, we operate like a private forecasting company. Um, and then we also like to involve ourselves in as much research as we're able to operationally. Um, we have very close ties with all the professors in our department on campus. Um, so being able to balance all that is, is a key for what we do here. Ultimately, the focus is, is in, uh, being an internship. We're training uh, current students and alumni to become meteorologists. Uh, so my role, uh, I'm the only full-time staff we have. I'm university staff. Um, and I, I guess my role is to oversee the day-to-day -day, day -day operations, uh, the training development, uh, you know, our, our product development, uh, partner relations, recruiting, but also maintaining because uh, the way we talk about it, uh, we don't have clients at Innovative Weather, we have partners. Um, and that's something that I think is really beneficial for a lot of different fields is seeing um, partnerships as you work because that's where the, the biggest growth comes for us, frankly, as, as an operation, but also for our students as they learn how to, how to forecast and how to get the critical feedback that comes with forecasting. Um, so that's kind of an overview roughly of, of how, we're, 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 how we work, I suppose. Um, that kind of has our hand in everything. Yep. I try to keep uh, you know, a finger on the pulse of obviously the day-to-day -day forecasting, um, but also helping guide our, our students who are training and interning and making sure that they're all keeping up and learning um, as they need to because everyone learns differently and we're, we're learning uh, how to forecast, we're learning how to communicate those forecasts and make risk assessments. Uh, one of the key terms these days is decision support services. Mm. Uh, that's what we are trying to provide for our partners. But there's also an audio component uh, where we're, we're training young people to get comfortable with their voice and talk on the radio and sound confident. So um, a lot of different aspects of that, I suppose. Wow, so much stuff to, to talk about within that. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's start with the last thing you said. How many, like, do you try and train most people that come through your program to, in fact, be able to kind of do what you do? So that's a career option? Mm -hmm. uh, or do people pre-select pretty early as to whether they're going to work in one element of the field or another? Yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of students come in with, uh, sometimes it's a similar mindset to me of, you know, I want to be focused on severe weather. In reality, that's not the application for most of us as meteorologists. There's not a lot of work in, you know, storm chasing or it's really tough to research severe weather. So you have to really have a strong foot in that. Um, but that being said, a lot of our students come in with a goal of, I want to work for the weather service. I want to be able to help protect the life and property of, you know, of my fellow, fellow, you know, citizens and, and peers. Um, but also the people that want to be able to do the same uh, thing, but on television and broadcast. So we kind of try to branch out in both directions. Um, now, ultimately, uh, we train them for a lot of the weather service applications uh, criteria, um, being able to forecast and communicate the program requirements as far as a degree are very well matched to uh, National Weather Service uh, criteria. So that frankly is a lot 
a lot of our students go that route. Um, but we do occasionally get our broadcast meteorologists. I guess if any of you are, uh, you know, watching CBS 58, Sam Cuffel is one of the newer meteorologists. Uh, she was All actually, right. she helped train me. Uh, she uh, finished at Innovative Weather, went to Wausau for a couple of years and landed a job back here in Milwaukee. So we've got a people with their feet in different broadcasting stations in the area as well. Oh, fascinating. Didn't know that. Nice yep. little tidbit. Um, so tell, so uh, we're doing this on a Zoom and, and you as a Belief Beat listener are just listening to us, but we can actually see each other. And Alex uh, clearly has some nice audio equipment that he's uh, talking to us on. This might be the best audio you'll ever get on Belief Beat. Um, take us through kind of your day, uh, an average day for you when you're on the air. Like, mm -hmm. where do you do that from? Are, is the forecast solely kind of yours or do you consult with different people? How does that all work? Yeah, so I'll, I'll break that down to a few steps. Um, first off, forecasting. Um, so uh, we're creating the forecast with our own, uh, our own data. Uh, a lot of weather data is public source, uh, which is one of the fantastic things about the field these days is almost all the data is free, of, free to, uh, to access online. Um, it's a matter of how you really interpret it. So we use a lot of the similar data that pretty much any other meteorologist is using, be it on TV or weather service. Um, so we're coming up with our thoughts in the forecast. But again, going back to the idea of the weather enterprise, um, and any of you that look at the forecast, the best forecast is one uh, with consensus. Um, so taking multiple sources. So we are looking at our peers in the area. Um, we're looking at our peers in the office and just, you know, from shift to shift, asking what our thoughts are to make sure we, we have a, a good consensus on the forecast. When it comes to uh, recording in WWM, um, so uh, we are recording with our own thoughts. We're normally not running off a script. We train our students to, um, when they're young and they're learning and they're practicing, frankly, actually, the way we start them out is we have uh, Dr. Seuss books. Um, we, have three, we have three books, actually. We have uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs for the comedic relief okay, of weather. Yeah. We have um, Cat in the Hat. And then we have uh, one of the Clifford the Big Red Dog books. And we actually uh, force them to read those out loud and practice them um, because it really, it forces a lot of different characteristics behind the quality of audio. And yeah. frankly, it gets them comfortable with their voice. Um, and then we train them how to, you know, tell the story for the forecast, because that's what we're doing. Whether we're writing it or speaking it, we're telling a story and that's the training. So we're not working off a script. We're working off what we have in our head, um, looking at conditions, trying to relate to the audience because that's the most important thing is relate to you guys in the area that, yep. you know, what we're feeling, you're feeling, and how do, how do we make you guys feel like we can understand that um, while only doing it within a short period of time and, you know, with only the voice interaction. So um, now location. Uh, so I'm currently actually at home uh, in my home office. Uh, we do have an office on campus, uh, frankly, with the, the implications of this pandemic in 2020. Um, before COVID hits, we were all really in office, aside from a, a few of our lead staff were at home. Uh, now we're actually working uh, almost entirely remote. So the voices you're hearing throughout the day in the morning, most of them are working from their home offices as well, or their, their bedrooms. We've gotten them also nice microphones. Um, the fortunate thing is microphones are affordable these days. So yeah. um, getting, getting them that quality audio equipment. Uh, but we do still have our office. We used to be actually be in the alumni house on the lakefront, right. which was fantastic. We were one of the only full-time groups there. Um, Innovative Weather was housed there for 14 years. Unfortunately, it was just sold off uh, this past fall because of the pandemic and some budget implications. So we've actually moved on campus. 
but we do have our own little recording studio there um, that has a very similar equipment setup. So be it from at home in office, the equipment's the same. Um, we're, using, we're using the same sources, the same data. Um, we're just, you know, telling the story as best as we can. So I've never taken the time to time it. How long is one of those forecasts? Yeah, so it's varied over the time, but it's 45 seconds. What you're hearing these days is uh, 45 second hits. Um, we used to do some live audio. Uh, we stopped doing that a couple years ago. Um, frankly, WWM has uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, listenership now. Um, so their time is valuable. And uh, the longer uh, conversational live recordings were great for our meteorologists, but also they had to kind of cut down their morning a little bit. Um, occasionally we do 30 second hits. Um, so it's varied a little bit. But what we're doing today, all of them are 45 second hits. Before we uh, dive into weather in particular, my one other question, how about describing a, a private sector partner yep. that you work with and, and what do you provide them with? Yeah, so there's actually a lot, um, a lot of different partners and it, it grows and grows uh, as we gain our, our relationships with different areas. Um, some of our, our most, uh, I guess, steadfast partnerships have been the energy sector. Uh, we Energies was one of our first partners and supporters. They have been a steadfast supporter for our, our entire development. Um, so we forecast for the energy providers in the area, um, frankly, across almost all of Wisconsin and even much of Iowa. Um, so that's looking out for severe, uh, severe storms in the warm season, looking out for winter storms, icing, heavy snow, anything that could turn off the lights. Um, but it also varies. So that's kind of a geographic partner. We also have hyper-localized. So uh, Milwaukee World Festival, we do the forecast for the Summerfest grounds, um, which is wintertime, snow removal on their lots. Um, you know, when they're, when they're working on, when they were working on the uh, new amphitheater, keeping them up to date on that. But where we really, you know, earn our credibility with them is severe weather season in the summer, making sure they're aware of storm risks for the people on the grounds. Um, and that's similar. We work with Marquette University, we work with a couple schools. Um, Another really important winter one is uh, the DPWs in the area, uh, both the county and city and a couple other uh, local localities. Uh, we forecast winter uh, variables for plowing um, and for ice treatment, uh, be it snow and freezing rain or refreezing snow melt. Uh, we work really closely with them. And one of the last interesting ones that everyone knows is we actually do lakes forecasting as well. So uh, UWM has the Great Lakes Water Institute and they have their little NISCE, the research vessel. Um, but also Lake Express, we forecast for Lake Express. Um, we provide them uh, wave, wind, and still storm and weather forecasts uh, across the lake for their season so that they can have the best handle on lake conditions, knowing how can they best manage the comfort and efficiency of their operations. So we have our feet everywhere, like most private companies. Um, everyone has their different concerns and their different focuses. The way we like to explain it is we have an eye on the forecast. We know what worries them. And our job is to put on their glasses um, and see through the, the lenses they look at uh, the weather and get worried before they do. So we see the risk, we're worried about it. We communicate that to them before they have to find it out on their own. Um, that's where we earn our credibility. Yeah. Wow, what important work. I mean, uh, I, you know, I think maybe I suspected that, but to be in touch with that many different organizations that really need the information and it, it can make a big difference. In yeah people's lives. Wow. A, lo a lot of our publicity comes from our audio, our audio forecast for WWM, but frankly, that's just a small part of our day because there are recorded hits that we have in the morning and afternoon. They're one of our closest partners, and uh, we really work closely with those in the studio, but also 
uh, a lot of our work goes into keeping an eye on all of our other partnerships to make sure that they're updated. So, oh, fascinating, man! That's a that's a podcast in itself. Yeah, almost. <laughs> However, well, let's talk let's talk weather a little bit. People in the sure. Upper Midwest love to talk about weather. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, uh, you've you've got several years of experience at this point uh, in this area. So, what what's both uh, challenging and fun about doing a weather forecast in this particular area? Yeah, so um, Wisconsin's kind of a double-edged sword uh, in that question because we get everything. Uh, uh, we really we do. do. <laughs> and that's great, uh, but also sometimes it's a pain. So, um, you know, I, I really do enjoy forecasting here in Wisconsin because uh, we have the winter storms you gotta look out for. We have sometimes icing events. We get the summer heats and we get the summer severe weather. But the, the good thing is we don't get it frequently enough that, you know, looking at, uh, you know, real time with this podcast, it's Tuesday. We're looking at uh, Wednesday's forecast for a major severe weather event down south in Mississippi and Alabama. We don't quite see that as much up here. That helps. Uh, frankly, I think it puts us in a great environment for our students because we get to see everything. We forecast everything with the exception of, you know, fire weather and tropical weather to some degree. I say that, but we had the remnants of Cristobal come through this right. fall. So we do see, you know, for the most part, everything. Um, so it gives us the balance of the experience of seeing it all, but also not being overburdened with any of it. Um, the other thing we have is the lake, um, which is always a question in and of, in and of itself, because uh, frankly, we're forecasting for the lake itself, but all of us are impacted by the lake. I think that's one of the most fun parts um, is lake breezes, um, lake interactions, you know, watching for surface boundaries that can allow for uh, storms to pop up. Um, those, those kinds of environments are really touch and go and really demand a lot of uh, skill and attention from a forecaster, but frankly are some of the most rewarding to forecast and gain experience in. So. Uh, uh, this is kind of a pedestrian thing, but uh, when people find out that you're a weather forecaster, do they immediately blame you for the bad weather we're experiencing? All the and time. The reverse of that is, does anybody ever give you credit for like a nice day? Yeah, I mean, all the time. I mean, frankly, that the, those jokes start when you're in uh, when you're in college. Uh, yeah. You know, when I was a sophomore, I was getting the oh, you can't wait to get paid to be wrong, um, which, I mean, I'm not going to argue that that happens, uh, but um, you know. So the, the jokes come, uh, the good news is, is with the work we do, um, you know, we work with partners that really understand the complexities of the weather. So those, those you know, questions and jokes aren't coming from our partners. Um, they understand if we had a big miss, we're always looking to see how we can, uh, you know, improve and fix it. So, and that's the benefit of the partnership. Um, but I definitely get it. Um, when it comes to nice days, you know, every once in a while, on occasion, I do get credit. I'll take it as much as I can get it. But- you know, if the forecast isn't looking bad, it's not my fault. All right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's go back. Let's go back to Lake Michigan. Uh, uh, any other uh, geographic things around here that impact the weather a lot? And uh, I don't know. As you as you think of Lake Michigan, then um, what's one or two things that, uh, as you've studied it and experienced it, that really fascinated you or surprised you about how it impacted actual weather mm -hmm. yeah so um you know we don't have a lot of topography to worry about here 
Um, frankly, an, our forecast area as our, as our operation is pretty expansive. Uh, we cover the entirety of Wisconsin, um, all the way up through the UP, and then all the way west uh, into Iowa through Des Moines and, and even westwards. So um, we have a much larger uh, forecast area than your standard weather service office, which means we have a lot to look at. Um, Iowa's always windier. Um, they have less trees, so sometimes less of an outage impact for their, their energy providers if we're seeing windy days. Um, but as far as, you know, topographic features that impact us, especially in southeast Wisconsin, it's the lake. Um, you know, we, we really get um, that lake interaction that can completely change the forecast uh, from day to day. And frankly, you know, if you're on, if you're on the, the Unity Lutheran campus, it may be totally different than, you know, where our office is downtown. And uh, how do you best summarize that, you know, especially to the WWM audience in a 45-second hit? It's a challenge, um, but it's a fun one. So um, that's really the, the main one we're looking at. Uh, when it comes to interesting things about the lake, um, you know, wave forecasting is a really interesting concept. Uh, the way that the winds interact over the lake, uh, a big part of it's stability, which is really just atmos the atmospheric science in general is uh, a balance of stability. Um, but when you're looking at forecasting, um, you'll notice that uh, we see in the springtime, we have the cold lake, um, and it kind of really forms almost a bit of a protective bubble over the lake. So we get these windy days, and there's not a whole lot of response on the lake surface. It means that, you know, Lake Express, they have pretty nice conditions for a lot of the spring. Um, but once you get to the fall, the stability flips, and the water, which takes a long time to warm up, is then warm and unstable. And then if we get cold air, like in November, that's why you get those really big November gales that, you know, like the story of the Edmonds Fitzgerald, that's because you get that stability flip where winds impact the, w the water and the waves much more severely. Um, and that can be the concern. So, you know, it always changes. We have severe weather season, we have winter weather season for the area, but then the lakes have, you know, the severe weather season and the calmer season between fall and spring, so. Wow, fascinating. I don't think I had ever heard that particular distinction before. Uh, is there, uh, thinking of the lake one more time, is there a particular time of the year more apt to have water spouts? Because yes. Yep. S similar concept. It's, it's the fall. Um, okay. So that's when you're looking for warm surface, cold air. Um, uh, water spouts are not, not developed in the same, uh, I guess, dynamics of tornadoes. They're much more localized, small scale micrometeorology. But it is that, that warm surface and colder air aloft um, that creates it. So fall time is when you're looking out for it. If you're looking at like the Mediterranean, it's the same case. Uh, fall time in the south of France and Italy and whatnot. They're looking for the warm Mediterranean waters and the cold air in Europe. And so that's when it happens. Okay, interesting. Uh, now that you mentioned Europe, that reminds <laughs> me of the topic of modeling. Uh, yeah. you know, I've heard that you know, the European Weather Consortium has a, a weather modeling thing that they follow. The U.S. has some. Mm -hmm. um, uh, tell us about that a little bit. I'm sure that's one of the things that you consult when you're doing forecasts. Is there one you like more than others? Yeah, so there, there's a whole suite of models and, you know, um, you know, the U.S., the National Weather Service and, uh, and its affiliated groups have a lot of great models um, and they're all open source. So uh, that's what really all meteorologists use just through different mediums to view the data. Um, Canada has some great models that we can utilize. And then uh, the Euro, as we call it, is the ECMWF is the abbreviation. I frankly can't remember what it stands for. But um, the Euro is a longer range model that has been handling a lot of long range forecasts fairly well. Um, granted, you know, we, there's a whole suite. So you have 
the combination of long range global models that are, are computing the forecasts throughout the entire globe um, and for the duration of days to weeks. But then you also have higher resolution models that actually break things down um, to a smaller scale um, and only do shorter time frames. And that's really just a, a matter of computer resources to, to compute these uh, really complex equations to, to create the forecast. So we use all of it. Um, there's some that we use that are only 24 hours out. Uh, we have actually an innovative weather. Um, our director, uh, Paul Rober, um, who's a, a distinguished professor on campus, uh, he developed a, a model that is a very high resolution, just Wisconsin and the lake. That's actually our own in-house, our own private data um, that we can use. Frankly, it gives us a great view of the lake interactions, lake breezes, um, winds and the stability talk, uh, lake effect snow. So um, that's a source we use. And we go all the way up to the Euro where it's a very, uh, very sometimes difficult to find the data because that's one of the few ones it's paid um, to get, but there are a few free sources. So we use a whole suite, again, back to consensus. We use as much as we can um, to try to balance. Something we try to teach our students is uh, the models are lying. And that is how we help train them to say, don't trust everything that happens because some models handle different characteristics. So the models are lying. Sometimes it's more applicable in some forecasts than others. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So with all of them, they have their, their various presuppositions and. Yep. Yeah. And understanding that. So. Yeah. Exactly. So, so speaking of the model that uh, your director created, uh, this wasn't on our prescript, but did, did you guys kind of have a sense when we had that enormous lake effect this winter and like we're seeing Kenosha, yep. was that an, kind of in a sense an easy one to see coming or was that a surprise? So we saw, we saw it coming. Um, now the exact details are always tough to pin down with, uh, with lake effect. Uh, the timing we had a little bit off. One of the interesting things talking about our partners and that particular forecast is we work with both Glendale um, the DPW in Glendale for plowing and Cudahy. And for Milwaukee, well, it's the Milwaukee forecast. But when we look at these lake effect events, Glendale had three inches, Cudahy had 12. Wow. Um, yeah. So, and that's really that, that hyper-localized scale of uh, meteorology um, that we're, we're looking at. Um, so, you know, we, we had a handle on the forecast, but when it gets to those details, it's not until you're within 24 to 36 hours, you can get a really good idea of the timing but even then, uh, a matter of a couple degrees shift in the wind direction when we're on this side of the lake can completely vary the uh, intensity and the, the track of that, that very thin band of lake effect snow. So it, it, uh, frankly, that, that was our big one this year. That was a pretty uh, interesting event to forecast for. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and uh, I can't, I mean, really, I'm, I'm amazed that when I watch the forecast come through at actually how typically accurate they are, especially close range. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, how precise a lot of the local forecasts can end up being. Um, ready to, now we're going to shift from local to global. Yeah. Uh, so it, it appears pretty clearly the climate is warming. Uh, I think most scientists would agree human beings probably have something to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, locally, I guess, how do you see that affecting us and uh maybe what concerns you the most or even alarms you the most as you look at how climate is changing around us yeah so um 
to be transparent, actually, the, the idea of climate change and global warming isn't addressed very much in the, the bachelor's studies for most meteorology okay. degrees. Some schools vary, um, but the science is still there. And we're, you know, trained as atmospheric scientists. The data is there. We do talk about it. Our professors on campus have a lot of focus on this. Um, and there is an important distinction to make when talking about climate change. And that's the difference between weather and climate. Um, weather is your day-to-day, ex- what you're experiencing, the, the, the forecast you're seeing, what's happening from you know, one week to another or one day to another. Uh, climate is the long-term trends as you look at the bigger picture. Something you can't really necessarily sense easily unless you've been really you know, feeling it for a long time. Um, so we have to be cautious when we talk about the idea of you know, this big snowstorm is definitely a factor of you know, climate, climate change or this heat wave we've had for the last week in July is a factor of climate change. Well, we can't directly attribute any of it. But that being said, um, when you talk about that, the aspect of global warming, which is occurring, the, the effects thereof is kind of what the debate's uh, falling upon, um, if there should be one at all. Um, the effects are muddled, but definitely trend that more volatile forecasts, or at least more volatile environments, um, so there is studies show that the the severe fires out west the last couple of years could be a result of that. Um, some of our more dynamic summers and winters could be a result. We can't again contribute any single system to it, uh, but as you see them on a longer range scale, um, it happens. So to kind of summarize, the concern with that for us locally is that we could see more dynamic, you know, features. We we see that chance for a tropical storm while not really well developed and and diminishing to swing through in the fall, even though we normally don't see that. And that could happen more often now. I mean, the the hurricane seasons are getting more active than ever over the last few years. Um, But also that leaves us in that variability of never knowing quite what may be the regular conditions for a season anymore, because you can get these extreme storms that come up um, and could be a bit more variable. So it's tough to pin down exactly. You can't really say what any any direct region will see, but it's just more variability that we haven't experienced in the past is what we're kind of cautious to see. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a really succinct summary. So extremes are always there. Yeah. But, but the extremes, extremes seem to be more frequent. Yes. Uh, than exactly. They in the past. Um, what's something that the, the average person should maybe know about weather forecasting that uh, they don't, typically no, would you say? Yeah, and I've got a few thoughts. I can break this into a few categories. Okay. Um, for prospective meteorologists, you know, if I want to address the crowd that is likes the weather, and if anyone's thinking about going into the field of meteorology, um, wants to pursue a degree, um, one thing to make clear there is uh, math. Um, frankly, it's a degree in mathematical science. Um, okay. at, at UWM, we take more math classes than most engineers. Um, that's really the reality of weather forecasting is the models are all, you know, very complex mathematical equations to understand the dynamics of the atmosphere. You got to explain it via physics and math. Um, so that's something worth noting for anyone going into that, you know, with the, the interest of going into that field, get ahead of your math, um, because that's going to set you on, on the trajectory to really be able to proceed. Um, when it comes to forecasting and just, you know, being mindful of the weather, um, you know, talking about meteorologists, um, 
consensus is always the best. Uh, that's I, I've said it before, um, but that's something I can help train people who are looking to keep an eye on the weather or always, you know, those of us that may be looking at a severe weather forecast this summer and are concerned about the impacts. Consensus is your best bet. Um, if you have your favorite meteorologist, you can put some faith into them, but having a mind or an eye on really all the available forecasts, weather service is always great. Um, they can be a little bit high, uh, I guess, high spec on the way they talk about the weather. Um, but, you know, blending uh, your local meteorologists, looking at innovative weather's online sources or our audio forecasts, um, that's all, you know, kind of a combination to help you get to the, uh, the best bet. A lot of us use our, our phones these days, which is an AccuWeather forecast for most of us, um, which is going to help out. But most of those AccuWeather forecasts are just computer-generated uh, climatological statistics that help us give a really good idea. Uh, but aren't going to give you the exact range so okay math and consensus <laughs> cool well those are really valuable things uh i'll give you a chance to say uh what's something that people just get wrong all the time when they think of what you do or what don't they grasp about weather or forecasting yeah so i mean i guess when it comes to being a meteorologist they say oh what tv station are you on which I mean, it's not entirely wrong because I, I broadcast to some degree with the radio, but our focus is so far past that. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it. And being at UWM, um, you know, I spend more of my time teaching students and training interns and I do uh, really, uh, you know, keeping an eye on the audio recordings and whatnot. So um, that's one thing personally that is overlooked is the degree to which uh, I act as more of a, of a mentor and a teacher. Um, I guess one thing I haven't really touched on yet, um, but is a like really a crutch to our program is servant leadership, which I'm sure is familiar to a lot of you in your setting is servant leadership is what our program is built on. So that's really what we strive for myself, but also our students. So maybe that, so what do you love about your job, Alex? <laughs> Sounds like you're touching on it a little bit, but uh, yeah. articulate that a little more. Um, a lot of things. Uh, first off, I'm a weather nerd. <laughs> so I love the weather, <laughs> you know. I'm getting paid to watch the radar sometimes. And I, I, I mean, could I ask for much more than that? Sometimes it's a little stressful because there's a lot going on. But ultimately, you know, I'd be looking at the radar or the weather, whether or not I was getting paid to do it. So I might as well be here. Cool. Um, you know, a, a lot of other things about this job that I love and that really has led me. And frankly, I'm so lucky to be in the position I am now. Um, I, I love the partnerships we have. Uh, I love the community that I work in. Uh, frankly, we work with so many different groups across uh, the Milwaukee area alone. Um, where you know, we one of our one of our our key things we like to do with our students is we go on partner visits, where we take them to our partners and help them train. And so we go from the operations center for We Energies, where they control the energy and gas lines. We go to Lake Express. We go to the Milwaukee World Festival. We tour Jones Island with the the sewage treatment plant, and having those partnerships and really getting a feel for the community. I, I love that. I love Milwaukee. I love staying in the area. Um, and for weather, you know, if you want a job, most of the times you got to be willing to move. So the, the fact that I was able to land something here, um, it makes me so happy. And the last thing is possibly the biggest is the servant leadership. Um, you know, taking, frankly, people who were my peers as students just a couple years ago. And now, you know, as I age up and the, the newer students come in, uh, being the mentor to help train them and see them take their next steps, you know, coming in from a, a kind of a young sophomore or junior and learning to be an adult and learning to forecast and then getting that job at the weather service is the reward to see them finally achieve their dreams. So I'm sitting here, I get to help train them and get to them to that position. And it, it's, 
there's a lot of different rewarding things for the, the taxations of some, you know, an odd schedule from time to time and working early mornings and having intense severe weather. It pays off every day. Yeah. Cool. What a great description. Uh, again, if, if, if you're listening, I think Alex was up at like 3.30 this morning. We're, we're doing this in the early evening and he worked the morning shift. And I just appreciate that, that you're still talking, Alex. And <laughs> yeah, we're trying. So let's, as, as we kind of get ready to start wrapping up, um, so you, you grew up here at, at Cross Life at Unity um, and in a family that was involved here. Think of, you know, the family you were raised in. Um, uh, you already talked a little bit about your dad, but what kind of gave you permission to go into this field? So that's mm -hmm. one question. And then the other question is, uh, I guess as somebody who was raised as a, a person of faith and part of that is, is things like partnership and passing on knowledge and taking care of the creation, uh, uh, does that fit into who you are a little bit now uh, or how you got to where you're at? Yeah, so um, I contribute a lot to my family. Um, you know, both my parents, my mom and my dad um, had, I think, uh, as you can put it in a very appropriate way, kind of a hands-off where they, they ensured our, our safety and our well-being and, you know, made sure we were doing the right things, but allowed us to kind of live and develop our own opinions. And yes, my dad drilled weather into me because that's what he loves. He can't help it. And so, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yep. Uh, but, you know, their ideas to, you know, let us kind of decide what we wanted to go into for schooling and where we wanted to go and to move out, you know, when we turned 18 and, you know, live our, our, our lives um, out of the house so young, uh, right away, you know, pretty independently, uh, frankly, helped get me to where I am now as, uh, as a young, I guess, leader in, in our office. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, kind of jumping over to the, the faith side, um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, my, my mentor, um, my, my old boss, um, who held my role as director of operations before me, um, he actually uh, left his position. He, he started Innovative Weather with uh, our director, Paul Grober. Uh, and led it for 13 years um, until last year he got a calling for his uh, his home church. Um, so he took a, a calling at his uh, his church, and uh, that actually is what opened the door for me. Um, and his lessons, while um, you know, meteorology and faith kind of can be seen as two separate things, a lot overlaps. And when you when you look at the the internship perspective, the teaching, the training, servant leadership, that's a a quality that hold steadfast in the church, in internships, and in hopefully, you know, any office or any, any setting, you want to see that. So um, while I don't have the best memory of all the teachings of the Bible, um, you know, it's the stories that, and just the, the way you learn to, to care for, you know, other people and to, you know, to not pull the rope of, uh, of the people behind you, but to help push them along and, and bring them with you um, is something that really helps us do what we do here, um, but also helps, you know, guide me every day. So I really contribute a lot of the way I grew up to that. Um, but also, you know, as an adult and as a young adult, being, uh, having a mentor that helped train me that way. Um, Mike Westendorf is his name. I should toss his name out there because yeah. he, he really helped and still does all the time guide me into being the servant leader I strive to be as best as I can. Well, we often say you can't you can't build enough bridges in life, and mm -hmm. sounds like you're doing that with with partners all the time. Yep, students yeah. and partners as much as many as we can. Yep. Well, and to build consensus, whether it's a weather forecast or among among people. Mm -hmm. 
Alex, it's just been really good to talk to you. I wish we had more time. Um, Likewise. For anyone listening in, and especially if you knew Alex growing up a little bit, I, I hope you enjoyed listening to his adult form. And uh, if you're a weather geek like Alex, hopefully you got a few tidbits in here that were fascinating as well. Uh, you can always catch them, or not always, but you can periodically catch them doing the forecast on WUWM. And now you know a lot more about uh, how he spends the majority of his time as a working teacher, meteorologist, mentor, and a lot of other stuff. Thanks to everybody who's had a chance to listen in. This has been Belief Beat. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. For now, bye-bye.